Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast, brought to you by Science Technologies. We interview outbound leaders at fast-growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights. Thanks for joining us this week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Enterprise Sales Development. I'm Eric Quans from CMO at Science. And I'm Caroline Maloney. I'm the Director of Sales Training and Enablement at Science. This was a fun one for me because we had a guest that, frankly, I've known for a while and she did not disappoint. She brought the goods. She's so insightful and so, frankly, brilliant. Tons of wisdom with uh, Dion Meyer. And she's the head and principal at Insight Sales by Design, a firm that, frankly, is a leading consulting firm for anything Insight Sales. Yeah, she was such a delight. I mean, her insight is absolutely invaluable. She talks a lot about best practices within the enablement realm, uh, scaling teams, coaching, leadership versus manager mentality. Lots of lots of great stuff. I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a ton. And, you know, even like a deeper dive into kind of some of the things that she walked through her own client base and, and you know, what's worked and what hasn't worked, especially when with regards to scaling inside sales teams. So listen uh, carefully because she gives some great advice for some of the, the things that become problems, including autonomy, which is never a culprit that anyone identifies as <laughs> crushing success, but can be very easily. Yeah, and for those of you listening who are having trouble with scripts, she goes into some really great practices when you're learning scripting and messaging and how you can sound, frankly, more human, more natural uh, on the phones, which I think is really valuable. Yeah, well, without further ado, this is a great episode. Let's get to it. And we're back with Dion. I've known Dion for a number of years. And frankly, I, I can't even think about a better person to kind of like deconstruct or talk about the lay of the land, if you will, with regards to inside sales. Dion, how, how are you doing? <laughs> well, thank you for asking. And Eric, it's so nice to see you again. Yeah, you mentioned that. I think we've known each other probably close to a decade, somewhere yeah. along those lines, right? And Caroline, it's so nice to meet you. And I'm, you know, I'm born and raised Chicago, Midwest, Italian roots. So we're always like, the more the merrier, right? Let's just keep going. So um, I am well and doing great. And it's a beautiful day in Southern California. How are both of you today? Fantastic. And and diving right in, like one of the things that I, I think you're a perfect person to kind of start this ball rolling is when you think about kind of some of the changes on the landscape, if you will, of the inside sales, outbound, SDR culture, what would you say, you know, here we are in 2022, what's changed the most and what is changing the most? Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, such a good question. And, and so it's kind of interesting where the issues that have been around for two decades, right? We're two decades into the 21st century, which is interesting. They were this the same now as they were then. We still have reps who don't want to pick up the phone. We have reps hiding behind um, email, right? There, so call reluctance is still there. So it's kind of interesting, you know, everything that's that's old is new again. So those are some just common things that are definitely still there. With COVID and, and outside sales teams, everybody being inside, there's a huge panic and knee-jerk reaction of too much training. And I'm not a fan of that anyway. And I actually heard someone say one time, you train dogs and you educate people. And I love that. And so I think what we're seeing is this over-correction um, over of, you know, let me train everybody. There's no reinforcement. And again, unfortunately, that is all too normal where we throw training or we say, hey, go read a book or whatever, but we don't always take the time to reinforce with our teams, whether they're in the middle of COVID and outside coming to inside or even just our inside reps. So we see still the gamut. So whether teams sometimes have an onboarding, sometimes don't, sometimes they do, sometimes it's over-engineered, sometimes, right? So the things that have always been an issue are simply probably heightened at this point. You know, leading training and enablement here, I think one of the biggest things is we get a lot of reps, sales development reps come in at all different levels, right? Absolutely. So you have some people coming in, they have tons of experience. Some people come in, you know, zero experience in sales. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about how to bridge that gap when you have people coming in at 
completely different levels. What what are some things that you do to help get everyone on the same page? Yeah, and and so I love that question. I think it's really really important. My background, I've been in sales and tech for 20 some odd years at this point. And so born and raised Midwest roots, blue collar family, military background, so everything was a process, right? And so fast forward through my career and starting inside sales teams, what allowed my teams to flourish as a practitioner and now what I do with Inside Sales by Design of my clients is putting that structure and systematizing as much as possible in place. And so to your point, I actually just had a meeting with a client this morning where we're talking about creation of dashboards. To that example is we can't coach our team if we haven't set the right expectations. And as an organization, if I haven't established a skills matrix, and that sounds really formal, but it could be just back of the napkin. This is what I want my team to be good at. It could be three things. It doesn't have to be the super formal. I need to go buy an LMS. We just, as leaders, have to be able to articulate to our team what they need to be good at. And then we need to be able to score it right, and be able to, to measure that success. So we're taking the mystery out of what does it take to be good with this. Right. And so I think to that point, Caroline, it's such an important question. If I'm bringing people in, it's really helpful for everybody to go, hey, we have this amazing program for you to come into. Let's gauge where everybody's at. Right. It's like an eval. And you say, okay, great. You have X amount of years of experience and you're really good in these areas, but maybe let's focus on this. Right. Because we all are works in progress in some way, shape, fashion, or form. So I don't know. What do you, what do you both think about that? Yeah. Well, and I'm curious, like, I, I totally agree, by the way, like expectation setting and demystifying the goals is so important, right? Like it's yeah, yeah. the yeah. only key to success sometimes. Right. But, but the days of like, here's a phone and you should just figure it out. Nobody wants that anymore. Nobody ever did want that, right? Except some really dyed in the wool salespeople, but they're, they are one in a million. Yeah. And we can't have a team on that. So go ahead. Exactly. Well, do you prefer a certain type of rep? Do you prefer to work with reps who have all this experience and come in having their own ideas about procedures and methodologies? Or do you prefer someone who maybe has an applicable background, good soft skills, but not as much experience? I think it depends. And nobody ever likes that answer, but I grew up in the software world, right? So everything always depends. And so I think it's a matter of, as an organization, we have to know what is our culture. And the other thing that I'm a huge, huge fan of, and we do with all of our clients is, does our team have a purpose statement? And that unifies us. So our team purpose statement is... Right. Then it can help me cascade to what are the soft skills I'm looking for. People that have these kind of characteristics are really successful. They're open, they're coachable, they're humble, right? They're driven, they're competitive, whatever those characteristics are for your team. Right. And again, we're we're going after unity, not uniformity. And then to your point, is have I as an organization and as a leader of my team identified what are the negotiables and non-negotiables? Right. So I'm I'm going to identify and we should identify the what. What is our goal? And there's probably some some guardrails and guidelines for folks, but we should really, to your point, as we're hiring people that have experience, man alive. If I'm hiring people that are humble and open to learn, then I need to be too as the leader. So this person might have some great ideas and some fresh eyes. Right. So we again we want to have that structure in place. That everybody knows the, the the rules of engagement, right? What are what's the name of the game here? And then where can I kind of tinker with the how, if you will? Curious on the purpose statement. Do yeah. you see that as a frankly a guiding goal for how we show up for the prospects that we engage with and you know the the future customers that you know we ideally want to work with? And and kind of second question behind that, how often do you walk into you know kind of a consulting arrangement where they already have a purpose statement in place? They've never had one. I've never <laughs> had one. Not only that, right? We're going to do the purpose statement, and I go, okay, everybody, what's your company mission statement? Dead silence. Nobody knows that either. What are your company values? Nobody knows that either, right? And so, and I and I don't and and I know I talk fast and I get really passionate about this, and I certainly by no means I'm critical of that. It happens. Yeah. And it, unfortunately, it's normal. Right. And so I think Eric to that point is 100% of the time when we create the team purpose statement, it is the team's North Star. 
Yeah. And we give people kind of guidelines to start and stuff. They every and the team owns it. It's not the leader. You get the team together, you do a couple different working sessions, you let everybody get on board with it, right? And they love it. And back in the day when when teams were in offices and stuff, organizations would put it up on banners and posters and stuff and you can make post-it notes with it, you know, like a watermark on the background and stuff. It was, it's really cool and provides that North Star, right? And then you have something as a leader to co- go back to and coach your team on, right? And then we take it a, a, a level deeper and we work, we either work with the teams directly or we give instructions to the leaders and the teams to create their own personal professional mission statement, right? So we want to start tying some of that together. Why do we go to work every day? Why do we show up? What do we, what are we good at? Right. Because what I'm good at, Caroline, to your point, isn't what this other person is good at. And if I try to sound like that person, I'm going to come across as inauthentic. Mm. So, what do we do? How do we do it? Why do I do it? And once we start connecting with that, we're off to the races. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like then when you have that mission statement, that, that pulse, it sounds like any problem can be traced back to a solution at that core mission statement. 100%. So important. Like it's so important. It sounds like to to create that. It is. It is. It is the team's North star. Our purpose isn't to hit a quota. That is never the purpose. That is a result. Our purpose as a team is to delight our customers, make their engagement with us the best thing that's happened to them that day. Right. And so, I mean, th- these are things that teams have come up with. Right. And so, from there, to your point, is that cascades to message creation if they're doing video messaging. Right. And so, it speaks to the culture of the team. Right. And to your point, it's like, all right, guys, you know, here's our purpose. Here's, here are our goals because we all have them. Right. We should. So, yeah. It's so funny you should say that because we actually have all of the above. And I'm going <laughs> to, Share a little inside out. You know, we actually teach and train each one of our SDRs the four missions. And the four missions for us is really, you know, number one is is getting the appointment on behalf of the clients that we work for. And you know, we're an outcome-driven industry, and that that's kind of yeah, um, comes with the territory. Absolutely. But missions two through four are probably where everything changes the most. So mission two is is you know, if you didn't get the appointment, you figure out a referral strategy. You Absolutely. figure out, am I talking to, you know, the, the wrong person? No harm done. You know, who should I be talking to with kind of the value that we're representing on behalf of clients, including ourselves? Mission three is feedback, right? So learning, you know, because penetrating any account, even just the, the words we use, which are somewhat militaristic, but whatever, like... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that there's a level of understanding with those words, right? You can't really get yeah. that wrong. So, but penetrating that account is, you know, kind of like a key to understanding an industry, a geo, yeah. a TAM, if you will, total addressable market for any of the clients that we work on behalf of. And then, of course, mission four is really around how do we leave the prospect better than we found them. So that's a pretty easy kind of almost sequential yeah. mind shift that goes into it. And I'm, I would actually really be curious to get your opinion on kind of that exact kind of stand-up. It sounds very consistent with what you're teaching and training. Absolutely. And, and I think that is, I, I love everything you just said. So, and, and well, partially because I agree with it, right? We have to give context to our teams and ourselves, right? If we don't know why we're doing something, we it's easy for us to slide, right? And so I always share examples of, of kids. And I know for some people, they don't have kids, but if you have a dog, there's some eerie similarities, right? And so my son is 10, he'll be 11. He's on the autism spectrum. And he was, he's 10 now. So he was four or five. Right. So a couple of years back and we were at Costco and we're checking out and I got him in the car. He's sitting down in the thing. Right. Because they, they run at that age. They, you know, freedom. And so he's sitting there in the car and he's looking over my shoulder and he had a piece of fuzz in his eye, like right on his eyelashes. And I didn't say a word. And I just leaned forward and he's looking over my shoulder and I grabbed the fuzz without even looking at me. Knee jerk, literally knee jerk reaction and kicks me. Oh, Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> so I have, you know, you feel like everybody's looking at you, right? And I had, I had a decision to make at that moment. 
I could get upset with my son and reprimand him for kicking me. Or I could pause literally for one second and go, I didn't tell him what I was doing or why. And if I had said to him, and so I did, I said, sorry, bud, you had a piece of fuzz on your eye and I didn't want it on your eyelash. I didn't want it to get in your eye. And he goes, okay, can you tell me next time? Seriously? So it's one of those things where so many times in a leadership role, right, whether we're mom, dad, leader by title or deed, we forget to include a contextual setting statement. Right. And so our kids are older now. So I'm like, hey, you got to be roommate ready because you are closer to out than you are in. Right. So put your dishes in the dishwasher. Right. Because you're not coming back. So it's it's things like that. So when we talk with our teams like, hey, we want to leave our, our, our clients and our prospects better than when we found them. What does that mean? So it drives all of that and just drives the culture, drives the behavior. Right. And just can really be a good anchor. So. Long story, but there you have it. I love that. And, and this, this kind of is such a great segue into a question that I had for you. I, I see on your on your LinkedIn, I was, I was looking at some of your posts and I see, oh. <laughs> you know, manager versus leader mentality. I was wondering if you could dig into that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I should know better at this point in my life, but I'm like, hey, you know, we manage things, we lead people. Yeah, that, that, is, that concept has been around forever, right? And so it's funny how, how, how all of those things pop up. And I, and I think sometimes we, we confuse the two and we think I have to manage my team. Well, they're not sheep, they're humans, right? And they're an adult. So, you know, kind of back to your question of how do we address a potential experience gap, right? And so there's, there's a huge gap between somebody who is in their early 20s living with roommates versus you know, where, where I'm at older and, you know, married, like, it, and it, it's not different in a bad way. The mindset is different, the lifestyle, right? And so we have to be aware of those things. And so I think when we manage people, we're doing them a disservice. So we manage things and we're kind of back to have a system. We manage a system, right? What are our KPIs, our reports, our things in CRM? We have a QBR, whatever, right? Because once we have a system in place, now I can coach. Now I can have conversations and it's not therapy, right? Like we don't have to do all that jazz, but we do get to have the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Things you're, we're gonna have a quantitative discussion and then qualitative discussion. The numbers seem to be off. I was listening to some of your calls. Let's listen to calls together. What's going on here? Right? And so it just frees up that up a little bit. And then I think too, as leaders, Sometimes we get in that habit. We're like, oh, I have to manage and I have to coach and da, 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 da. But we're not doing our own work where if I put a system in place and I say on a month by month basis as a team, we're going to have a, a topic of the month to focus on prospecting, asking questions. Maybe we read a book, whatever. But if I'm not doing the same thing as a leader, because we all have things that we have to work on. Right. And so if I'm not getting together with some of my peers or somebody in the organization or even a colleague, and it doesn't, again, doesn't have to be formal, right? It can just be, I, I'm, I'm identifying for the month of March, I want to work on X. Great. We have to do those things too. And that's the difference, right? The manager is the one who says, <laughs> I was just talking to somebody and I said, well, I was talking to your CEO and she's curious, what are you going to do next year for this percentage of growth? And his answer was the same thing we're doing this year. My recommendation to her was to fire him because that doesn't work. Or truths. Right? Or is this person open to coaching? So I'm being a little tongue in cheek. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Carolyn, what do you think about that? I agree more. I mean, I was reminded of a quote the other week. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, thinking that you'll get a different response. Yeah. That rings true here, I think, right? You're going to go insane if you try to do the same thing and get vastly different results. So yeah, coachable or 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 you're out the door. <laughs> I think so, right? And you give direction and, you know, we should be different next year than we were this year. Yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah. 
Well, evolution is a concept and it's an important one. <laughs> it's, it's funny. The, the thing that you said, though, that really just resonated with me was really around kind of a, a rubric that I think is true of the SDR profession in general, which is that SDR work is hard. It's, it's it is. darn near impossible, yep. largely because most of the time there are exceptions to this, but most of the time, in fact, way more than 80-20 rule. You're an SDR and you are at that different phase of life, different yeah. phase of growth, different phase of career, different phase of mm -hmm. title than yeah. virtually all the people you're calling on. 100%. There's a huge, <laughs> huge disparity there. I, I share this all the time with people. It's like, guess what? You know, I'm a CMO and this is kind of like my fifth role with <laughs> science, you know, being a, a CMO. I kind of have a different perspective than the people yeah. who have never been a CMO calling into me on, on the daily, if not the hourly. And so the, the point there is like, how do you kind of impart, how do you start to give the perspective? And I think it comes, to, I, I don't know, I've been a fan of that word perspective, but it really comes back to context. It does. And I think that's where you were going with a lot of, you know, kind of your insights, Dion, around how can we help, you know, coach, especially when we're doing call coaching, SDRs have a perspective of the people that they're talking to and their challenges, persona, situation goals, ambitions, frustrations, what have you. Yeah. And that's that's an amazing, amazing scenario and discussion there, Eric. And how do we impart all of that, right? And sometimes it's vision setting, right? So I, I'm a female. I have a daughter. I was really excited when she was born. I was like, I totally got this until she's you know 12 going on 13. I got nothing, right? So there's a really great book I'll recommend if somebody wants it on raising teenage girls. Because even though I was one, the world's a vastly different place. And it was a long time ago. There's another really good book called Raising Men, Not Boys. And they talk about vision setting. And so kind of what we were referencing before as far as, hey, someday you'll be a dad or in college or a roommate or whatever, right? And so I think it's almost the same thing, Eric. And I, and I love that where it's like, okay, imagine this, right? And then I think to that point too, is I'm a huge fan of role play and shadowing, right? And so go and shadow Eric, go shadow your CMO, right? Or, or make that connection in some way, shape, fashion, or form or share voicemails, right? And so if you get those voicemails and some people do, some people don't, you know, make phone calls together. I'm not saying you, Eric, have to pick up the phone, right? But shadowing like that too with the SDR making those phone calls and then really being able to set that vision for this person who, who just doesn't have that experience, Right. And, and likewise, I don't have certain experiences either, but there's a way to kind of get people to go and use their imagination. Well, it's funny too. The, the other thing that I always like kind of try to counterbalance this SDR is impossible work. But what I say to them is look, you're going to talk to more CMOs in a given week 100%. than I will. Yep. And so now all of a sudden, like you're in the catbird seat for understanding or seeing, even yeah. though you've never done the role and you're not in the you know context of, you do get this ability to be kind of like on the front line, so to speak, with yeah. direct response with the key titles or personas yeah. that you get to reach out to every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a really great point too. And so a lot of times what we do... Because I've heard that question from SDRs who are maybe newer in their career where they're saying, I don't have this experience. Or maybe, Caroline, to your point, folks that are coming in that have experience, but maybe not in this industry, how am I credible? Right? And so to that point, I always share with folks, just, just own it. And then Eric, to your point is... I hear you. My role is to share insights. And I, I literally speak with hundreds of CMOs and here's what we're hearing. What resonates with you? Right. And so, or are these the same issues you're having? And here's, you know, ultimately what we're trying to do is, is, is talk with you, schedule a phone call, right? Just be upfront, be clear, be direct, be honest, right? And, and be confident and all they can do is hang up the phone on you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And for what it's worth, you know, that was my background. I was an actress. So I came into this field like zero experience in sales. <laughs> That's a great background. Yeah. I think so. Right. And it's totally. like, what, what I'll say though about people who have untraditional backgrounds, and I'm so curious on your take on this too, is that 
a lot of the fear of rejection is kind of dismantled because you don't have these preconceived notions of what being a salesperson is like yeah. if you're coming in with a totally yeah. different background. Yeah. And I'm wondering how you help people wash bad calls off their back. Like what are, what are some of your, you know, mantras or mentalities, perspectives that you give to people? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we we always approach it in a couple ways. One is just make sure you know what to say because that's the first reason why people don't make phone calls. I don't know what to say. Well, it's not that they don't know what to say. Sometimes it's they don't know how to open the call, right? So just just go, right? Just like Nike says, just do it. And so we we really work on that piece. And I'm like, in nine times out of ten, you're going to get voicemail. So those are the first two things that we really work on. The third thing is, to your point, Caroline, is we record the calls. I can't tell you how many times I say to reps, and some organizations don't have call recording, and I say, get your cell phone and, and record yourself. And then they don't do it because it, they don't want to hear their own voice. And I'm like, if I had a nickel, right, for every time somebody said that, like I, I would be on an island somewhere, right? So I'm like, and then I lovingly tell people, I'm like, it's not about you, right? It's not about me. It's about, are we helping people? And then Eric, to your point, you go back to those purpose statements, right? And that gives us the, the heart, the passion, and, and the, the strength and the bravery to move forward. So we always start with know our words, know our lines, right? You're normally going to get voicemail, listen to yourself, grade yourself, right? And then I, I, you know, I try to keep it light, but I'm like, nine times out of 10, all they can ever do is hang up on you. Here, let's practice, Right. And so my my son is he started baseball and last year he he got scared that he was going to get hit with the ball. I'm clueless. I'm like, and it'll be fine, right? But it was a legitimate. Yeah, this is I'm not <laughs> I'm not that person <laughs> that you should talk with about stuff like that. And so I said to him in the Mighty Ducks movie. For those of you that remember the Disney movie, the Goldberg, the the goalie was afraid of getting hit by the puck, and they duct tape this kid and the goalie and just take shots on goal on this poor kid in full pads, right? And so that's what I said to him. And I go, "Should we just, you know?" I go, "Do you remember the movie?" And I said, "Did you just want me to hit you with the baseball?" <laughs> Which I could never do anyway. I can't throw and hit anything, but it got him laughing. And it got him to get back into the batter's box. So yes, we want to provide contextual overview. We want to talk about the why. We want to be able to say, hey, let's listen to ourselves. We want to role play. We want to say, hey, you know what? Practice on your own CMO, right? Practice on your own executive team, right? Get all these reps in. And then we somehow want to make it fun. So I don't know. Do you have any any tips or tricks that you use with your team? A few. <laughs> Yeah. You're not yeah, slinging hockey pucks at them though, right? I, I think that, you know, oftentimes the objections that you get are the path forward for, yes. you know, where a lot of those call recordings really start yes. to take in and the coaching sessions yep. start to really, you know, resonate. Because although it seems like calls can go any direction, yeah, they and they can, do. technically, they really don't. No. Like they really stay in a fairly confined state yes. of affairs and yeah. it's worth paying attention. In fact, we had a, a previous guest on, on the podcast that I absolutely adored and I thought she was brilliant. Dr. Carmen went into the brain, like chemistry, if you will, the brain science yeah. That's of prospects when they're picking up the phone. As, mm. And I think the phone is useful for or a proxy for other channels of engagement because it's more real time, more synchronous. Yeah. But ultimately, like, you know, the first things that everyone's looking for five to second, seven seconds in are like, who are you and what do you want? 100%. Just and get if, to the point. Yeah. And if we're not scripting or providing that context, the human brain's going to fight like mad to just push through either that hang up event, what I like to call condition response. Yeah. How quickly can I get <laughs> off the phone? Yeah. I mean, the inside joke too is like for SDRs and especially those listening to this, <laughs> the chances of you being the first cold call or the first prospecting outreach to any of the people that make a list that you would call down, 0.0. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's not their first rodeo, which means that you're usually in, in that first kind of like few seconds of... If you're not getting to relevancy, if you're not giving me context of why to continue this call, right. you're not going to get more. Yeah. Period, yeah. full stop. 
Eric, I completely agree with you. And, and a lot of the, so a couple of things, we have a, a conversation worksheet tree, oh. right? Yeah, it's really, I'll send it to you. And so we say, start this, say this, yes, no. And it's literally like a yes, no, all the way down to the end. And so again, it, it helps people identify their words. Because again, that's that's sometimes part of the issue, right? And so, I mean, I still do some of that, you know, whether I'm speaking or whatever, like, okay, what am I really trying to solve here for? Because our brain can just keep going, right? And yeah. so we want to be able to kind of corral our thoughts a little bit. And um, yeah, the, you know, there's there's only a few ways calls can go. And so we always, you know, we start with that and we do, work, you know, coaching workshops and know your lines and stuff. And one of the things we always coach with our teams, the teams that we coach is, you're going to call exactly what you were saying. So it's nice to be in line with somebody who is studying brain science, right? Hi, this is so-and-so from XYZ company. The reason I'm calling is to ultimately book a meeting between your team and ours. You might find it interesting because here's what I hope we can do next. And they go, really, Dion? I have to be that direct? I'm like, yes. Yes. And so we develop a few others, right? But I'm like, just get get to, to your point, Eric. So I'm like, whew. nobody wants to hear stats nobody 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 not even your mom like just go so (laughs) well it's funny too the the thing that that always captures me is when we're working with callers especially and a specific client engagement especially if it's underperforming or not you know kind of like seeing the results that we would expect or hope for number one question i always lead with is why is someone going to take a meeting if you don't know the answer to that, don't expect them to figure it out on the fly, right? Like, because you were an interruption in their day. Best 100%. case. Yep. Yeah. Best case. <laughs> yeah. Self-reflective sales. Like so, to, to be able to self-reflect and ask yourself, yeah. would, I, would I take this meeting? Would I yeah. answer this email? Would I call yeah. this person back after getting this voice? hundred percent. Yep. And that's the value of listening to calls and doing calls together and, you know, things of that nature. And I'm definitely seeing that with some individuals, you know, maybe fresh in their career where I'm like, hey, let's make calls together. And, you know, we put something on the calendar. And they said, well, I'm going to make calls later today. And I said, I'm sorry if I wasn't clear because the meeting invite clearly says we're going to make calls together. So please help me understand what I can do better next time. <laughs> right. And so there's, we want to make sure we're bridging that gap, but I was like, Hey, what's going on right now? And then to, you know, to your point is, is, is picking up the phone and doing it and taking the meeting and what's the why behind it and just get to the point we can, we can provide additional information, but we, to your point, we always start with what is the punchline? Right. This isn't a joke. We're not, you know, this isn't a movie. Like we're leading with the punchline. Go. Yeah. So I love that. And I think that's a great self-reflection. And then listening to phone calls, doing a self-reflection, having a scorecard. What did you hear? What were your aha moments? And so really just asking all these questions, right? Full disclosure, I have a book coming out at the end of the year. And it's funny because we were, I just finished chapter one and the intro. And they said, okay, what's, you know, we're doing the wrap-up of the chapter. You know, we should write a paragraph on like what what everybody should take away. And I'm like, no, we're going to have these three questions at the end of every chapter, <laughs> so, right? Because to your point, so many times we we throw out a lot of what, and we have to remember to to get our team and whoever we're talking with to kind of think through things. So yes, I love that. I love the self reflection. Why would they take a meeting? Why? Such a good question. Well, now you got to tell us what the book's going to be called and through kind of like the the narrative arc here. Oh, gosh. Thank you. So it's called A Stepped Approach. And um, it's going to be very exciting and kind of breaking down a lot of the things that we're talking about today. And, you know, it speaks to a lot of the content that we have online as well. So we've got some courses online and all that good stuff. And so just like we're talking about, so I'm a huge fan of a stepped approach and mindset and North Stars and, you know, all of those pieces and it all kind of has to come together. So that's that's what we're talking about in that book. So, yes. How fun. Put me in line. I'm, I want it as soon as it gets released. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And we're going to do the audio book and all sorts of fun stuff. So, yeah. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Really cool. And I, I, I'm curious to know, sort of pivoting the conversation back to enablement in like a metrics-driven sense, 
What are some practices that you found have scaled really well throughout different types of organizations at different sizes, different points, you know, in their company's maturity? Practices that scale really well and then practices that don't and are better for individual approaches. What what are, what are some uh, differences there? Yeah. Oof. You know, I do miss everybody being in an office. I'm not going to lie because it's just so much easier and there's value, right? Yeah. There's just value to that. And so I'm a huge fan of daily standups, huge fan. And I'm a huge fan of mastermind sessions and, um, you know, pick a topic and deconstruct it. I'm a huge fan of that. Things that work too, you know, making calls together, that still works. Once you, and once you kind of get the team going, they're good at it and they, you know, they know and people want, they look forward to it, right? It's, it's kind of like when you first start going back to the gym or doing an exercise program at first, you're like, oh my gosh, why am I torturing myself? And then you kind of get addicted to it. So that's what that is. And so I think, you know, things that don't always work sometimes are, are, are autonomy in a sense of if we haven't set expectations, we can't expect the team to perform, right? And so if we don't have accountability loops in place, and it's, it's not from an oversight, you know, evil overlord perspective, but if it's, hey, we have these training mechanisms in place and you guys should take, you should watch them or whatever, if we don't give our teams enough structure around continuous improvement or you know what does a good phone call look like or overcoming objections or whatever you know pick whatever it won't get done so you think that a lot of folks on the management side get away with well i don't want to be a micromanager and that's the reason that a lot of these things don't exist yeah and i and i think there's a certain not knowing how to do it and i think there's potentially a laziness factor to it Right, so it's either skill or will, and I, and I, again, I don't mean that in in a critical way. We've all been there, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, oh, do I really have to? Can we just have a conversation? You know what I mean? And so, but I think too, you know, the the definition of micromanager has expanded and grown to something that isn't isn't relevant anymore, right? Providing coaching and structure to my team isn't micromanaging them. Right. Just like reminding my 10 year old to brush their teeth twice a day isn't micromanaging them. It's reminding them of their routine. Right. And I mean, even my 12 year old who's super responsible. So there's, there's a difference in ownership and coaching. You know what I mean? And so I'm not doing it for them, but I'm, I'm here to make sure they don't go off the rails. That's my job. You also find that that may be the case because so many of like inside sales leaders and thinking of in, you know, your classic SDR team, the SDR manager was maybe one of the best SDRs yeah. <laughs> or used to be. Yeah. Right. Like, cause that's the most likely suspect, isn't it? Yes. Unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's some of that too. And, and, and it's, it's very natural for us to look through our own perspective and our own lens. It's so hard to to get the perspective of somebody else. That is hard, right? And so working in teams and being able to say, hey, we're going to put together a training program or a sales education program or whatever you want to call it. And pulling in teams brings that diversity of thought. And that's where the value is and stops us from recreating what's in our own head. Right. It's it's why we we have coaches. I still have a team of coaches that I work with. You know what I mean? Because it's it's a natural human thing to recreate what we're good at, comfortable at, we know all that good stuff. So yeah, I think that's a valid point. I'd be remiss if I didn't insert a commercial right into this part of the podcast because frankly, this is, I guess, job security in some ways, right? Like uh, everything you're pointing out is exactly what you help organizations do. Yes. Right. Inside yeah. sales by design is yeah. You know, that kind of structure, coaching. Yes. Here's here's what needs to be built, especially for companies that are lacking it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, we've done both. So I working with organizations that don't have any of this in place. And then working with leaders too to really help them branch out because sometimes, like we were saying, they just don't they just don't know. Oh, my team wants me to do that. Yes. Right. And so coaching the leaders to to give that contextual overview right and so that's and it's it's so fun to see 
you know, the teams that that do that work and thrive. It's really cool. So yeah, so we spend a lot of time on, you know, creating the process, creating the structure, and then teaching the teams how to use that structure and coach their people. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So thank you. It reminds me of another quote. I, we, we don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are, which I think is so important as a leader to remember, because again, getting back to our original, you know, discussion here, you have people coming in at all different levels. So you've got to be able to adopt different hats, different perspectives, right? For for such vastly different folks. So yeah. 100%. And and you know what, Caroline, that is so important. And it's one of those things that says, you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of Jocko Willink. And I saw him speak at that outreach event down in San Diego years ago, right? And it's those expectations, right? In this company, on this team, this is how we roll. This is how we do things. And it, it, it just creates that alignment and allows people to be themselves within that, right? We we show up on time. We're we're polite. We're kind. We're respectful. We don't interrupt. We contribute. We have good ideas. We encourage. Well, and, and Jocko is like one of the best. You know, he wrote the book Extreme Ownership, which is a must read. I would actually say for just about any inside sales team anywhere. That's a great one for a book club too. Um, I, I agree. And his dichotomy of leadership is amazing. Wow. So all of his stuff, I love his podcast, right? So they're they're very entertaining for sure. And I mean, some of the material is pretty serious, but very entertaining. You can learn a lot from a Navy SEAL. Seriously. <laughs> like, wow, that's a really interesting thought process. Okay, then. Don't I feel a little lazy today? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel you. Is there um, a, is there anything that you wish that you had known at the start of your career that would have informed different decisions, or are you kind of like a no regrets person? <laughs> yeah, gosh, you know, I think for me, it's funny because I was I was just talking with my sister, and she's actually just started jujitsu because she's always wanted to. And so she and I are products of, you know, of a really good, we were definitely loved by our parents, right? No question, but the perfectionist mindset. So not being good at something is really hard for us. And so I think the lesson of, and this is something that that we teach as well with our clients is there's a for now and there's a for later. And so I think the regret I have and you know, what I t- talk with my clients about and my kids and, you know, my husband and I talk about it too, right? Is there's a for now plan and there's a for later plan and we're all going to get better. And I think that I would have taken a lot of pressure off, right? Because again, it, it's self-imposed. So that's that's the public health of safety um, information for everybody is just, be, you know, give yourself some grace and what you're not good at today. If you work hard at it, you'll be good at it tomorrow. Are you also a believer in kind of like the strengths finder mantra around, you know, work the things that you are really good at and, you know, let the things that maybe you're not as good at kind of fall fall by the wayside or at least not avoid them, but like hire around them? 100%. Yes. All day long and twice on Sunday. Yeah. Right. I'm 5'2". I've been 5'2 since I was a sophomore in high school. I will never dunk a basketball and it would be insane for me to try to go and do that. Right. I could do it with a trampoline, but then I would probably end up in the hospital. So I, I agree. So it's like, what are we good at? And, t- you know, the words that we were talking about earlier, like self reflection and seek to understand and what are you good at and get feedback and, you know, do a Myers Briggs or, you know, whatever I think is, is really, really important. And then, yeah, triple down on what we are good at, be aware of what we're not good at. And then how do we kind of shore that up a little bit? That's also probably a missing element in a lot of call coaching too, where, you know, you have this opportunity to to take the, forgive me for referring to humans as as like raw material, but the raw material of what some people can do exceptionally, naturally, intuitively, I'm going to steal a word that you used earlier in the podcast, authentically, Yeah, because authenticity probably carries way more weight 100% doing anything well than just about anything you could script. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with that more, right? And so, you know, one of the things we will talk about is what is your tone and what is your voice, right? So Reggie.ai is a content creation platform brought out by Matt Millen, right? And he used to be with Outreach. And in that, that I love that content platform, by the way. So highly recommend taking a look at it. You know, they have the different business voices, business formal, business informal, casual, whatever. 
And I think that's super important too, right? As a salesperson or even somebody working with the public, right? Doing outreach, you know, what is kind of your mode? What are you comfortable with? And then, oh, by the way, we have to kind of be able to mirror the other person. So we have to not only know ourselves, but but be well-versed enough to be able to kind of switch it up as needed, which is hard, but absolutely. Everything you just said is like gem, <laughs> gems of knowledge. Yes. And I, and I wonder too, like, would you veer more toward a script or a roadmap, you know, given this information, because we want to make sure that reps are sounding human and like their natural selves, yeah. but we also want to provide structure, especially for some of those newer reps. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I do not care for scripts. And so I, I think they're good to start off with. And so the analogy I always, always give or the example is I'm a huge Star Wars fan right up until recently because it's just been this you know commercialization however identification of star wars perhaps the what yes yeah so i'm out right just but when seven came out i think that's what it is and jj abrams was directing it and we were watching you know we got it we were watching it we saw the extra footage you know the, the credits behind the scenes and what i really really talk with with people about in teams and kind of go back in my own head is the the when when a when the cast first comes together they do a table reading of the script and they read that sucker word for word you know everybody's sitting around the table they're in character right reading and so on and so forth and it's not really until they're deep into the movie and they know their lines and things are blowing up that they can alter the words the meaning the intonation the inflection things of that nature so to your point caroline when when we have folks that are really new we want to give them the tools to be successful so if that's a script great right but we need to practice it until they always get it right and then for some of our you know our seasoned folks we do more workshops and so because i get asked that question too like dean are you going to write a script from us and i'm like no not really there's a book you can you can go buy one right? We do workshops. And so we do messaging workshops and we bring in other folks from the different departments. And we talk about what are the keywords and we have like a Mad Lib worksheet. And so we, we dive in, we create value props, we do talk tracks. We, we, we have a lot of like the, you know, fill in the blanks, things of that nature, but we want the teams, Caroline, to your point, using the same words, how they say it needs to be in their own voice. I don't ever want to dictate a how to anybody. Because then, then we're fighting. You know what I mean? Then it's just it's positional bargaining. But our what should never deviate, and that's our purpose statement, our mission statement, our north star, the words we use, right? All that good stuff. So, but how people say it is totally different. That is such a perfect structure for how it all comes together. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and it, it seems it's it works, right? P- teams are successful, people are successful, they get it. And people appreciate that because Caroline, to your point, they're like, oh, I'm going to go into sales. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to get a script. I'm going to make calls for eight hours a day, right? And I'm going to hate my life. And that stinks. Nobody wants that. There's so much more excitement and ownership when you get to craft under your own persona, your own sales persona, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's about that ownership, right? So what's negotiable versus non-negotiable? Right. So again, we do that with my son on the spectrum all the time. I don't want to go to school today. That's a non-negotiable. He gets out of bed and gets, you know, gets ready and goes to school. Right. So it, it works for us as well in our own brains and, and working whether, you know, I'm making calls, man, I don't feel like it. I'm kind of tired today. I'm off my game. I haven't had enough caffeine. You know what? Making phone calls is a non-negotiable. Okay. Right. We just remove, I detest ambiguity right? There's no room for it. Zero. Uncertainty is different. Uncertainty is different, right? But I'm going to pull apart. Yes. So I, I know we're, we're, we're kind of going a little long today. Um, I was at a training session when I was, when I was uh, employed as a, as a practitioner and our poor HR team, it was all the sales leaders and it was this time when they were teaching ambiguity as a core competency. And I'm like, I don't know what that means because I either make my number or I don't and I get fired. So help me understand what this means. It did not go well, right? Because ambiguity is a lack of clarity. And so again, that's different than 
being agile. And you can only be agile when you have a plan. Ask any software development team. <laughs> right? And so I think that's the thing is it's okay to say, to give a range, to say, this is our goal. However, you know, we're going to deviate. I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to get in the car and I'm, I'm going to go and we're going to go eat. Oh, but the restaurant we wanted to go to is closed. Okay, well, now I'm going to be flexible and I'm going to go somewhere else. That's very different than when you get into the car and everybody goes, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Where should we go? I don't know. What do you feel like doing? That is ambiguity. Yeah. Right? And so we Uncertainty do is like, are the roads open? Are they clear? Okay. You know, what's the weather all about? Yeah. What's traffic look like? Right. right. And I feel like that's why, you know, binary choices work so well psychologically in yes. messaging, right? Like, is it this or this? Do you want to go yes. to Taco Bell or Wendy's? I didn't even mention yes. the other 60 food options. I just gave you a choice between two. It makes it so much easier and so much more accessible for your brain to then decide. 100%. Yeah, we we live in the information overload world, right? And we have too many options and there's analysis paralysis, right? And so and it happens to all of us. And so the more we can just hone stuff down, right? Or or home it down, I should say, and then get, and remove that ambiguity and give people the ability to have a path through uncertainty. Man, then now we're cooking with gas. I love that framework. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I hear you. And so, so, you know, it's just make a decision even, and there is no wrong decision. You know, that's a thing. And, and, you know, back to what I wish I would have known when I was younger, like, you know, God, thank God we are where we are in the United States. And we, you know, we work in the business world, like nine times out of 10, whatever decision I make, it's not going to be fatal. Yeah. There may be other consequences that cost money, time, whatever, but it's not fatal. Yeah. And so I think for some of us that maybe had that perfectionist upbringing and like I'm an over, you know, I'm a recovering perfectionist and overachiever. So for other folks that identify with that, it's like, how do we move forward? You know, baby steps, progress every day, minimizing our choices, right? It doesn't mean we don't have an end game, but it means that we're able to move forward with some degree of certainty, knowing we may have to be flexible. And that's okay too. What wow, this is this has been a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful session here. I feel like I've learned a ton. Oh, thank you. So for other for for our listeners who may want to get in touch with you and kind of learn more either about inside sales by design or you know even just powwow with you. Yeah. Where can they reach you? Yeah, the best best way is LinkedIn. So if you want to connect with me there and then in my about us page there's my phone number, there's a calendar link, connect with me, send me a message, whatever the case may be and we can definitely chat. We'll make sure to have it in the show notes. Thank you. I appreciate that. You bet. What a pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate all of that. I appreciate the opportunity. Eric, always nice to see you. And Caroline, very nice to meet you. You too. This was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. 